Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. At the end of the day, we're entertainers. You know, we are we are entertainers. And um, you guys the guys like back then kind of... Fridge, Knucks. You guys are like WWF guys, right? Like, yeah. Well, there's characters, like yeah. true characters, the Grim Reaper. I yeah. mean, come on. We had the boogeyman. <laughs> when I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious and I don't care. <laughs> Welcome to the show, uh, Todd. Um, Christ, I, I, I go back. I, I was telling Tim earlier, I, I love when I look guys up on, on Google. I Google them. And I love the names of Canadian hockey towns. And you, from Redwater, Alberta, like... Hello. What a great, like I played with Ron Gresham in New York, I was saying, and he's from good soil, Saskatchewan, like such good names, guys coming out of those towns and you being from Redwater, what was it like growing up there? How'd you get into the hockey, local hockey rink, all that stuff? What was it like for you? Well, I mean, small town, there's both, there's 2,000 to 2,500 people like in the, in the town main street is, is two blocks. Um, and everybody played hockey. Right. And it's, it's cool because you, you play the other towns around you. Right. And they're all within, you know, half an hour, summer 45, you go to big tournaments, it's almost two, three hours away, but that's kind of the, the, the teams are made up of the towns. There's no classing. It's not, it wasn't triple a, it was all, if you had enough players to play and make a team at that age level, then you had a team. So I didn't really get into trying out till like I was 13 or 14 and stuff. And then you go to the cities, but growing up for us, like all the dads on my uh, neighbor in my neighborhood, there was three rinks that they, they just put up with two by fours, two by sixes and water. And then whoever had the lights would be the one that most of the guys would uh, play at and, that's just what you did after school and the winter gets dark at like three in in Redwater and there's nothing else to do. So you just play hockey all the time with, with the same crew, mix up the teams and then the same thing goes into spring and then in the summer you're doing it in street hockey. So that's, that's how I grew up. Like literally just living and breathing and loving the game. Is there anyone else in the NHL that came out of there? Well, yeah, Kent Manderville, actually. And oh, yeah. I played with him I, 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 rich I, I, year here. I played against him in yeah. Finland, I think, at the end of his Yeah, career. he went overseas. Yeah. Yeah. I, and he wasn't, I don't think he was born there. Like, I, I was born in, in Redwater. And then um, I think his parents moved there or something. And then he was, spent some time there. But Kent Manderville was another guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's small world, the hockey world. Oh, yeah. You weren't born in Ukraine? Someone said you were, Nuck said you were born in Ukraine. No, no, no. My, my great-grandfather, he came over. Onufri Fedorik, yeah. He was born in Ukraine. You ever been? No, I would, I'd love to go. Not now, obviously, but I, I, I would have loved to go back to the homeland. Ukrainians are, like, even my family, we're big with, with family and the earth, and the, we understand the breadbasket, right? Like, if you look at the... Like my family came across, they broke ground and whatever they had, uh, that was theirs. And that's what the Canadian government was doing at that time. And the whole farm was in one area and we had enough land that we just it produced basically every fedoric in Canada. And like there's a lot of them. My, my grandfather, uh, Joe Fedoric, just passed this past year. Uh, 92 years old on the farm and they built the church there and everything so that we settled there and everything came from that farm so it's 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 the homeland in in Mundare and uh that's where the farm is and and that's still where my my father and his brothers all grew up so it's a that's what you get out west too you get kids that just kind of walk hard they know how to work when they're like five years old because you know they're killing chickens and and uh, <laughs> driving trucks on the farm they're working so um, you get a lot of that out west. It's a big farming community. So big farming community, big farm boys. I, I don't know how many guys I play with. That uh, I remember they, 
especially the hunters. When I think back, Dale Hunter, Mark Hunter, and they always wanted to go far in the playoffs because if they didn't go far in the playoffs, they had to go home and start working the land. I, it was, it's, I, I never had to deal with that, obviously, growing up in the city. So, But, Todd, the, the hockey piece, right? You grow up there, you're playing. Uh, how about the fighting piece? Did You know, playing in those games as a young kid, did that ever cross your mind that you'd be this guy one day in the NHL who's going to go out there and protect his teammates? Yeah, I know. You know. I always reflect back on it. It's it's hard to it's a hard question to answer because I, I was always reckless and and enjoyed like the physicalities of the game, um, and it just kind of happened. You know, yeah. I mean, you, I think you make a choice if you're gonna do it, and I, I did it probably younger and um, my probably my first year junior. I, I really like. Yeah, I'm gonna, you realize I'm gonna try fighting. Were you yeah, always well, big? I wanted were you to try it. I wanted to like, were you always kind of considered big? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was big when I was like, yeah, thirteen, fourteen. I was, I think I was, you know, one of the bigger guys, and always hanging out with older kids and stuff like that because I was the same size as them. But um, played like big too, and was was like ultra aggressive. And when they moved me up to forward at like thirteen, fourteen, then I was like, oh, you can hit so much more up here. And then I guess you. had to start developing into that that role player power forward whatnot so yeah but i i always was was fight like i always had that edge in me and i think it was junior with, with the Kelowna rockets when i it was like and it was the way the team was built too like there was a lot of tough guys dale Perrington, uh jamie butt sheldon surrey was on those teams um and then we had, you know, me and Scotty Parker were the two young kids in, in Kelowna. So it was like, we were tougher than all those guys. And it was a tough league back then. And it was, you know, it was, I don't know, it was a good time to be a fighter in, in the game at that time. Because there was a lot of guys, Probert and Nux was playing at that time too. And these guys were playing and doing it the right way and hockey was blowing up like in those years man and in those 90s and in the 80s late 80s and early 90s into the even into the 2000s like that's when hockey i feel was at its best right guys were kind of you know the game was evolving and becoming more cerebral but guys were still playing with that edge and fighting was still a key key role and and guys weren't getting hurt as much you wouldn't mess around as much and it was more exciting. You can't tell me that those games weren't exciting. You knew if Knox is coming into Boston or even in Philly, yeah. like guys, like people would just go like, oh, you should see what he did last game. Like people had a memory and, and you were never let down, like with the stories within the story, like within the games back then. And like, I got to grow up watching all that stuff. And I remember Probert, Kosher, all those guys, yeah, like Pro, Tony Pro Twist. And Domi, I was like, like, that would be like oh. huge. That was like a main event when they're, you know, and, and I know what you mean. Now, nowadays, you can. yeah, that's when the media really got into the into the 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 side of that um, that game, and and you know what, Proby just was the real deal, and Domi was smart enough to understand. Okay, this is there's something here, and this is this is New York, and. So you got to give them props. Like at the end of the day, we're entertainers. You know, we are we are entertainers, and um, you guys the got guys like wrestling back names, Fridge, Nux. You guys are like WWF <laughs> guys, right? Like yeah. Well, there's characters, like <laughs> yeah. true characters. The Grim Reaper. Yeah. I mean, come on. We had the nicknames. Boogeyman. Like, <laughs> boogeyman, and these were like no, obviously this guy. Well, yeah, he was the Boogeyman. Too. Like geez, Boogs, God rest his soul. Too. It's 72 pounds oh. he played at six seven so that makes him like seven feet on skates i don't care it, it, he was such a big guy and he he hit so hard he he got upset he got like i played with him for a bit and i actually ran into him but he got upset when you asked him because he's like he knew what he could do to you man that was uh, a scary big boy yeah he was and and, and fridge now that I know I was a bad influence on you growing up, you know, <laughs> obviously, um, you know, when did it become apparent to you or you thought, because I see there's so many stories that we don't see. All right. 
the story of the, uh, the young Canadian kid who plays junior hockey, his dream is the NHL, 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 I'm making it, right? But the numbers are very small. When did it become apparent to you or you had an idea that just maybe I can do this at the professional level? Um, I, I think it was probably when I started playing with guys like that were drafted and then probably that's 18, like getting drafted was obviously like, that's an eye opener. You're like, wow. I mean, even it was like, I think it was like the last seventh round or sixth round, but still getting chosen was like, okay, let's, let's pick up the bootstraps and let's go after this and run with it. And that's probably when it really was like a, a like it was an achievable dream, right? Like that, that's, that's like the first step of the plan on paper, right? <laughs> like it's, it's the draft. And, um, but I think that's, that's when I started believing that it was a, an opportunity. Now, and then you chase it, obviously. Yeah, right? Then you, you go after it with a little more vigor and you have more resources and the team kind of helps you out and like go train. I, I was remember I was training with Norm Lacombe, never showed up, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I tried to train a lot and, these guys just shook their head at me every time I'd go and train, you know, but anyways, I, I worked that way. And, um, yeah, it was, it was because they, they hooked me up with people that were NHL caliber players. And then you start getting into, you know, you get around the people and then you become a certain way to become a professional. And, you know, I was luckily, uh, along the way, but, uh, that's when I started believing it was probably at the draft 18, 18 years old. And you yeah. came in with the mindset of like, you're going to fight and protect and because you know you guys like a George Peros or you know we we talked to Tanner Glass recently these are guys from college which you know you don't fight in college and it's kind of like you got to make that decision on the spot and you know I was tough in college right so I mean <laughs> like everyone was tough but for you, yeah. you did you come in with the mindset of like that's what I'm going to do I just I was in I was under the impression that they loved it you know like they loved it. They loved not having to talk about it. And they loved the fact that this guy is just going to do it no matter what we can. Like you were introducing right? yourself as the fridge at training camp. Like you were. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's what just what everybody called me because nobody knew who I was anyways. You know, I eventually like when they called, I could, that nickname stuck rookie year. Uh, Billy Barber loved it. Like, and it, like, it was just funny because the way I'm built, I'm like a barrel. Like it's my shoulders and hips are the same. Like it's, I'm literally like a rectangle. So he just loved it. And I'm Irish too. So I, I got that pale skin. So they like, you look, look like a buff Maytag fridge. And that's what's stuck. That's how it's stuck. And, um, um, like everybody just knew me as fridge. And even when I go to training camp, even I don't think Hitchcock actually knew my name till halfway through the season. He kept calling me feds. He didn't know my first name. He's like, I know your nickname is fridge. Uh (laughs) And then halfway through, he's like, you know, you know, my name's Todd, Todd. And he's like, that doesn't matter. (laughs) Hitchcock (laughs) feds. Yeah. So Philly, you drafted Philly Hitchcock, your coach there. Like, your first training camp, how was that like coming in there with that pressure of the past, the glorious past of the Broad Street Bullies? You're coming in and you got to make your mark. It's like that's a pretty intimidating 18-year-old kid. What was that like coming into Philly? Oh, it was well, it was cool because the teams back then, they'd bring you in and when you're 18 or sometimes at the end of the season prior to. So I actually got to come in with Jesse Bolleris and a couple other, Simone Gagne, I think might've came in. I'm not sure. Uh, but we, we went to the phantoms and we, we were in town already, but the first camp was, we actually did it in Peterborough. Uh, Roger Nielsen was the coach and we'd go up there and do the, we do like this big bike ride or you do a run or those are the things you'd have to do. Those did you learn how stuff. to do the trap with Roger? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't, I wasn't even doing that. This is the first camp. And then but I remember like guys like Craig Berube, uh, Hexy was one of the goaltenders, and then Lindros, Brendamore, um, Van Beesbrook was there, Svoboda. Like I remember those guys, and then you get the minor league guys. I got I, like I had <laughs> Frank the Animal Bialois. Oh yeah, like, he yeah, was yeah. one of the he was one of the guys that just got brought in for the, the Phantoms, animal. and the characters like total characters and. Um, 
but they were good to the young guys like chief you know i, I remember hexy just two-handing me in the back of the legs and i will it hurt man like, right. and i was kind of you're scared i'm 18 years old you like, wanted to go after him but it. you couldn't i did i did i totally did i wanted to kill him because if you look at hexy in the locker room he's a like you know he looks like a, a coat hang like, you know a t-shirt on a coat hanger he's he's whitey they say but uh like has has some things loose up there he's got a temper which i love but uh, i go back to the bench and he's like chief's on the bench and he's like don't take that shit go sit right in front of him again i go mm-hmm. I, I go and do it again i oh, what the hell he, sure enough actually twice as hard again he's like keep stay that you know because i was screening him i was just going to the front of the net that's what you're supposed to do right <laughs> And then they come back again, and Chief's laughing at me when I get back to the bench because he's <laughs> I got two handed big bumps on the back of my leg from actually he was good with that stick. You probably had a few slashes yourself. What was your first impression of Lindros? That guy, I mean, uh, uh, you know, obviously, unfortunately, he had some injuries, but he was a beast. Yeah, this he I remember him training, and he would it was like about all the records. Like I hold the record for the row. I hold the record for pull-ups. I hold the record for the three mile run. Like him and Brendan Moore were like maniacs training with stuff like that. Brendan Moore is a way cut above though, but from a physical specimen, like Lindros is like Superman. He yeah. was like, you walk in, he's a presence like big. And that time he was in the best shape of his life. You know, I was 18. I think he was in his mid twenties, you know, prime him and Lon- uh, it was like the, the best time for uh, Leclerc and Renberg. It was like it was the they were just coming out of the '80s and starting to rebuild as a powerhouse. And that line, I mean, uh, you played against, yeah, you played with Johnny too. It's unbelievable, man! That was just the Legion of Doom is exactly what it was like. And he could like turn it on and just skate through everybody, and you just get out of the way because you'd bounce off him and stuff at that time, but. He was a specimen, man, like total picture, full 6'4", like jacked, 235, 8% body fat, and uh, like a beast, man. Like, And he was on, out for those concussions and stuff like that. It's a shame, you know? Like he was, he probably could have been one of the greatest that ever played, you know? Yeah. He was I, it's funny, that, you play big of a player. You played with a few of those guys. John, John LeClaire, I played with Johnny. Peck ahead. Did you call him Peckahead? <laughs> no. Peter's no, Foboda. We called him Peter's Foboda was Peckahead. And obviously I played with bees <laughs> in New York. But the Peckahead, he was uh, – could you believe how skinny he was and he actually played in the NHL? That kid was so skinny. When he came in, 18 – he was 17 when he came over. Like, I couldn't believe how built small like he was. Oh, yeah. Built yeah. like a 10-year-old boy. Oh. Yeah. Built like a 10-year-old boy amongst monsters at that time. And he was, was a tough kid. He played then. tough for his size, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I remember him. I just always remember him. He had the shoulder that just yeah. looked like it was hanging there all the time. I'm like, what? What is Who that? Who is this? Like, His shoulders tough went down nails. like this. <laughs> yeah, but he was a tough kid for a size. Fridge. Yeah. The um. All right. So so, the fight game. You know, like we hear it all the time, and I've been asked this. I loved what I did. I absolutely loved being there for my teammates. I love fighting. I could sleep the night before a game. I could sleep the afternoon of a game. I hear guys that didn't like doing it. They had to do it. How about you? Did you did you relish that role, or was it something that kind of gnawed at you? Um, you had to do it. Well, no. I, I I liked I liked the attention you got from fighting, like uh, from the guys, and you know, I I, I remember. Like, I, I, yeah, I didn't lose sleep. Like, I got, don't get me wrong, I got scared, and I, there yeah. was, I, was, I was full of fear and yeah. stuff like that. That's, that's normal. normal. But I had guys, like Luke Richardson said something to me that just stuck, and it was like a, I don't know if he, he's like a psychological ninja with young guys, man. And yeah. he, he said, he goes, don't, don't ever worry about being scared. They're scared too. He goes, let that keep you sharp. You know, let the, use that in your advantage because it just means you're ready. And like, I'm 20 years old <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting ready. This is like first fight. And th- this is what he's saying to me. And all the guys are kind of rallying around me. Like Preems was there, you know, are you going to fight tonight? And I'm like, yeah, like I was all ready for it. Cause it was Rob Ray. It was actually Rob Ray. And I think it was just a good guy to go like a gamer, a mm-hmm. uh, good guy for me to go up against. He's kind of a middle heavyweight, but respectable and he'll go anybody. And you know, it was kind of my first fight. So 
that's the first um, approach I really had from the support of the guys. And that's, that really helped me. Uh, and I understood they respected it immensely as, as the role. And I, I was boisterous and young and like fired up to be a, in the NHL. It was a sixth, sixth or seventh round draft pick, man. Like was not supposed to be there. Plus I had a very trying rookie season, as you call well, it. Well, well, not supposed to be there. What do you mean by that? Like, do you were you supposed to be drafted in the second round or first round or the seventh? Yeah, well, yeah, what? and the CH. I think I was actually ranked in the second round by the CHL, but I had some injuries and and you know some just yeah, I had some injuries and some other things going on. Yeah. I was a bad kid. I, I did some stupid stuff, but like most of us do. Um, hey, but hey, hey. Yeah, then I I fell in the ranking. Hey, so hey, it was. Hey, I, I, ended up relate, going I relate to zero of any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, my fear was like. I know. Well, to see, it was. It was for for me even getting drafted was like. I mean, when I was doing the testing, I was going with Scotty Hannon, and he was like first round all the way, and here I am just schlubbing along because we're buddies, right? So I kind of <clears throat> bathed in his glory, but. I was around all those camps and doing the testing. The DO2 was started uh, in Vancouver. They were starting to do it. So that's when that all started to happen and all uh, the Wingate testing. But yeah, I got drafted by the Flyers. They mm -hmm. picked me seventh round. But that, you know, that's all you I wasn't need. supposed, I was supposed to go to the draft. And then the, my agent's like, yeah, you're, uh, yeah. you might as well just sit at home. Yeah. So I just sat by the phone. You know, don't <laughs> feel bad. Go. I did the same thing. Yeah, I uh, went to Finland. Yeah. <laughs> my agent was like, you're never playing in the NHL, let's try Finland. Like, that's actually what happened. But, no, you talk about being, you know, I have so much respect, obviously, for the role you guys did. Um, but you talked about fear like that. Uh, I was just watching this Mike Tyson interview, and he talked about, like, he was scared. He admitted, he's like, I was scared before every fight, you know, and he just said, but he knew his opponent was way more scared. So it was kind of funny, but I couldn't imagine doing what you guys did. You know, like you had to be, you probably were, there had to be fear like every time, right? Oh, I just think Unless that, well, you're, you're, you're putting, like putting more on the line. Yeah. You're putting more on the line. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The guys <laughs> that are good at this are a little off, like hands down. We might just be, let's call it spirited. Like that's what I like to say or reckless. Some might say, but I like to call it spirited and we have, I don't know. I, I can speak for myself, but I did not like when guys messed with my my players right i just i just i loved them a lot uh, i understood i was in the nhl partly because of them and so if i was going to have any success at the winning like a level i wasn't going to be a guy who's going to put the puck in the net and i learned like you're as good as your teammates and your teammates are as good as your weakest link so i did everything i could with a limited set of skills right to provide the most amount that I could. And that was with my fists and that was with intimidation and just raw and bridled emotion. Like that's what I could provide. And that's what made me stick around in the game. So they taught me about fear and taught me about all those things to deal with. But, um, I, I still, I still enjoy doing it for them because like that, it, I, I, I played a long time, uh, playing that role and, uh, and you don't do it if you, if you don't do it the right way, you know, you don't show treat shots and you, you look guys in the eyes and you fight them and stuff, then you're going to last because you're going to be an honest guy. So, yeah, I, 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 um, I had good veterans around me all, all the time. Yeah, well, so, so, wait, how, like, how good did it feel, though, to score a goal? Oh, I mean, Nux scored. Oh, that was Nux tells me about his twenty goal seasons all the time. But like, how could? Honestly, though, like I it, never had twenty. <laughs> oh, just never. Yo. I was never gonna get. Like we got worse. Like we got more role played. Like I was. I, th I think when I came in, it was like the last of those role players. McGrath and myself, Boogie. Uh, you got my guy Reeves might be a guy that hangs around or Wilson, but these guys don't go through that gauntlet, right? Of of fighting and stuff. Um, well, yeah, I used to, I mean, I, honestly, and anyone can probably agree, like, when the when you guys would score a goal, it was, like, amongst the team, it was the oh, greatest yeah, the thing goals. to see. <laughs> yeah. Like, you forgot Jamar, already because there was not that many or what? Ronick, Ronick loves 
he he absolutely loved and I, I think a lot of the guys do because i mean for us it's a rarity like for the role player it's a rarity but jr i remember one guy he's like i love it when you score fridgy and i was like yeah. i love it when you fight and i think uh -huh. it's the same for the goal scores uh -huh. they get in a tilt they're like hey how do i do i did good yeah. right i was like they no. come and ask you how do i do yeah <laughs> you know it's yeah funny. i did good right fridgy so yeah, it's like uh, when we get that goal they get i like to die the guys that get excited for us but um I think every tough guy wants to be that rounded out player, 20 goal scorer, but you can't get lost in that, right? Yeah, you, <laughs> you can't. Or you'll, you you'll get lost rusher, quick. Turn into an usher. Yeah, yeah. You, you said <laughs> yeah, it. You'll just not, yeah, you can't go outside that role once you've been pegged for that, and then you just do it the best you can. And that's, that's kind of your livelihood. You change like that, and it's, they don't want that. Well, you know, they never say it either. Fridge, we both played for coach Jacques Lemaire. Right, and he was my favorite coach. Here's a guy who came to me once and said to me, you fight too much. And honestly, I, I was like, I don't trust this guy. What's he telling? He said, you gotta slow down with the fighting. You, gotta, you can play hockey, and he's giving me all this confidence. And I'm like, man, if I slow down, I, I saw it before, guys go out the door, see you later. And I almost didn't trust him, but I stuck with it, and he worked with me. Uh, and I, I understand that you also played for him and liked him. What, what was it about him uh, that, that you liked? He, he was my favorite coach that I've ever played under. I wish I got to play under him more. And I think it was like that, like one of the first meetings I had with him, he's like, you remember Chris? He brought you up. Oh. Like he, he said, do you remember, you know, uh, Chris, I remember, you remind me of a guy, Chris Nyland. Uh -huh. They used to call him Knuckles, that's uh -huh. what he said. And... <laughs> Honestly, when, when Lemaire, like I knew Lemaire, he has 11 rings, man. Like yeah. it's, I, I was in, in hockey's is royalty and he's comparing me to a guy who is, I'm, I honestly was like, yeah, man, that guy's <laughs> wound up. I'm, I'm like that. Totally. Yep. You're, you're, you're onto something here. And then he's like, uh, he said a lot of the same things. He goes, let's try and slow you down a little bit and, and get you standing still. Like he was the one guy that taught me you can be working harder than anybody on the ice just by standing in one position. Yeah. And it, he kind of was making a joke of it because yeah. it's really hard for me to stand in one position, mm -hmm. but you're doing your job defensively by taking away lanes just by not moving. He goes, you start moving around, then you're opening everything up. Just stay there. I know it's hard for you. And the way he talked to you and the way he, he walked everybody through the game, the way he made skilled guys play like workers and workers played like skilled guys, the yeah. way he mixed them. And honestly, I think. Did you also fear like, him? The guys fear him too, like that. No, no, because no. he he loved no. you. Just like honest, he, honest. He was, yeah, he, yeah. He he loved the he he looked at the player as the, his son. Like he he wanted he, he, he treated you like a plant. He wanted you to grow, <laughs> right? He watered yeah. you. He he let the sunlight he in. Nurtured you as an athlete. Yeah. yeah, he knew what you needed. Each individual athlete, like that's the I played with. Demetra and uh, Gabarik for a little oh, bit yeah. there. And it was, he, like, even they accepted the way he was. And some guys are, you know, they're, I'm not saying these guys were like babies or anything, but they were not used skilled to skilled players and, had a tougher like, time. They would skate more than the, the tough guys would. Yeah. Skilled guys had a tougher time with Jock, right? Because they had to play within the system. Yeah. Fridge. So yeah, let me, yeah. uh, we love them. We get it. Um, you know, everybody is a tough guy. Mike Tyson said it until they get punched in the face. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you've had, and I watched these and Tim watched me. I've seen them before, but I watched them again today. And, and Tim was here and Barry was here. And I actually get sick to my stomach watch. I do. I, it makes me cringe when I see another tough guy, um, something bad happened to him. And I get it, it can happen. You know, was, was the first one, you broke your uh, orbital bone against Karen's, Eric Karen's in the yeah. island. Then the boogeyman, you end up just shattered your face. I mean, I was sick to my freaking uh -huh. stomach watching it. And then the last one in New York with awe, you got knocked out cold. And I saw you laying there in the ice and your hands yeah. were up like this. And I'm like, man, I, I, I felt good shot. Yeah, it was like. So, so you go through these things, and people don't understand what a guy goes through when they're 
everybody's rah-rahing and they want you to win the fight, but they don't know what the fighter goes through. Those three injuries alone, after one of them, a lot of guys would have <laughs> never been the same or would have <laughs> packed it in. How the hell were you able to bounce back each time? First Karens, then you come back to the boogeyman, they rebuild your face, boom. You come back and then you get knocked. Hello, how, how, do you, how did you bounce back yeah. from that? That's difficult. I, I, don't, I don't know. I never, I never looked at it like that. I mean, I knew they were injuries, but I, I guess I trusted the doctors. And, I mean, it was my livelihood. And the, the first Karen's one, it wasn't um, – it was, it was a break, but it was, it was fixable and probably stronger after. And uh, the guy that I had to do it, Dr. Guy Lanzi, he's the best. Mm -hmm. He was one of the guys that invented some of the – some of the uh the zygomatic arch implants and stuff so uh i just i i asked him he goes you know like am i still gonna be okay and he goes you know if doing what you do is bone on bone it's gonna break no matter what so um but when it heals and you give it time yeah it'll be just as strong yeah. as it was so like i trusted these guys and i mean the true test is getting but, punched in the yeah, face yeah the physical you know? part the, that's the physical part. How about the, I'm saying the confidence part, the shaking your confidence and, and how do I get back from that? How'd you like the, dealing with it personally? Like the, I get the I physical part, choice. you heal. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't have a choice. If I wanted to keep playing, I couldn't show that that was going to uh, bother me. It was like, get back on the horse and there it's almost it's almost the crazier you were they were like they, they they'd leave you alone and they'd be like no this this kid keep him around man like he yeah. he'll do whatever you know and i took i took a sense of pride in it for some reason but probably i mean i was self-destructive at that point like i was going after uh trying to try self medicate the game after those injuries well it would it, it, i guess that would be the starting point of it you know with the injuries i obviously had surgeries and stuff and um that that was a big one, but when I got hit on this side, uh, th th this fight I actually thought that I did pretty good in. Like that's what's different. Like I I took one in it, and like I knew something was off, but it didn't hurt that bad. Like I just I remember hitting Karen, so the the confidence wasn't down that bad, and I was just too dumb to probably yeah. realize how bad that injury was. But um, got it fixed, and then when 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 Bugard hit me though that was something else because oh. I remember getting hit. I was, I didn't get right. knocked out. And I remember the linesman telling me uh. stay down like he, cause he could, mm. he could see the face. And I, I knew as well that it was, it was messed up because you're, you don't see as well out of the eye. And it wasn't like it was a swelling or anything, or there was blood around. It was like, pressure pushing my eye to see like walleye that was it was looking somewhere else and i went like this on my face and and knew that the like you could i could tell where his fist had hit and i was like okay i i'm gonna stay down here and then the linesman helped me up and i i knew that i had to go directly off because my face was broken like you can tell when you get a good sh like a good break i don't know if anybody can tell as bad as this one but it it, it basically took this bone and just moved it all the way up uh, to my nose and just blew out right. everything else that was in there so my eye was my eye was saved um thank god uh, but i had i mean geez how many plates i got put in there well there's i think there's 12 in there now uh most of them were from the bugard fight and that's that's the one like they do say uh like it, you'll change and that was the one that changed me like, are you better looking though and how did change it I don't know. I, yeah, as my wife, she thinks I, I no. I look like a catcher's mitt in my face. <laughs> how how did it change you? You said it changed you. How did it change you? Well, you got to understand that there at that time in my life, I, there was things that were different. Like I had a family, and I was married with kids, and um, it's like there's a lot more on the line, and you know, it's it's. I have to have longevity now, right? Because we're making the least amount ever, right? We 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 gotta, we still have to do stuff after the game. We still gotta work and stuff. We, there's not many guys can just retire on what they earned, and I right. wasn't one for sure. So I needed to keep playing because I was still young at that time. I was in the prime and uh, had a couple of good seasons, and um, 
I just took probably, I think it was, man, I don't even know when I came back. That whole season, that whole year after that injury, I getting traded back to Philly. And um, I mean, the doctor told my wife that my career was over. Um, mm. Like while I was in the hospital. And I remember the guys coming to see me in the hospital, like Niedermeyer was with Anaheim at that time. And they just said, uh, uh, like, you're going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to play in a bit. Like I'm going to see how fast this is just broken yeah. bones. It'll heal. I, my It'll body heal. and everything is still okay. I can play still. I'm going to see how quickly I can come back. Put me in a cage. Like that was my mentality. And people were like, yo man, you got to seriously consider, you know, retiring. And it was, it, it didn't cross my mind at that moment, even with that bad of an injury. So I don't know, if, whatever, it it turned out, I guess, okay, because I still kept playing, but then again, yeah, I got hurt again. Uh, but again, like, even when I was trying to come back, like, the mask came off, guys were like, when I was asking them to go, uh, they were just They didn't want like, them. They didn't want to hurt you. Yeah, they, they were just like, well, that's good you point. sure, man? I like, was, was going to ask that. Like, you know, you talk about the rah-rah, and I can, I'm, I've been around this, right? Like, I can't relate and be in your shoes, but like, it probably you, you didn't really want to see someone get really hurt, right? Like when you were, you know, you're talking about the receiving end, but like I'm, I'm kind of asking both you guys, like when you really, really hurt someone, that probably didn't feel. I mean, you kind of were concerned, right? Or did any of these guys like uh, check how you were? Like, uh, were you okay? Like, say, like the cold. Oh yeah, or, when, you know. Yeah, but all of them. Yeah. Bugs checked in on me. Even ordered like that's the thing. Like we have an understanding mm -hmm. right and part of that understanding is if i break your face that's going to prevent me from fighting again you're right and the, the ultimate goal for the fighter is to be like listen stop playing that way or uh it's go time and and there's like there's no question about it and then you don't do it in a disrespectful way but that's like the ultimate goal right you don't you, you kind of you carry the presence and you don't have to say a word, right? But guys just play the game the right way. They don't mess around. They don't chirp. They stay within the lines. They play hard. And like, that's the ultimate uh, role of the enforcer at the peak. But, um, yeah, you get those, you get, you break a guy's face, man, your, your stock goes up. So that's the understanding. And yeah, you do feel bad. Like I've, I've done it to a couple guys and you feel bad when they go down. But again, you have that understanding when you come in that way. Like I came in putting guys down, you go out that way too. And I like cool. the way I like that. There's some kind of, uh, there's some kind of karmic beauty to that, I guess, you know, because I still needed the shot from, uh, you know, um, Come on, how the hell do I not remember his name? Um, Buffalo. Rob, Rob Ray. Ray. Rob, Rob Ray, yeah. Raider, Razor, man. There you go. That's one of the byproducts of fighting for yeah. 10 years. No, that's age. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's age. That's age. Yeah. Now, how do you feel yeah. about fighting today and how the game's kind of, you know, obviously evolved? I don't think it's in there. I think it's just kind of around. I think it's picked up a little bit, but I don't necessarily know if the guys understand what they're doing, right? It's just like slapping games. I think there's a couple guys that know how to to, to, to play the role or they understand it, but it's, it's non-existent from the element of every team needs, uh, you know, that element of in the game. You know, I think teams just – it's – it's still there because the game is always going to have that, I think. At least I wouldn't like to see it go away, but I don't see it in the same way as it was. We're in conversation with former NHLer Todd Fedorik, played with the Flyers, uh, Anaheim, um, fought a whole lot, obviously. Um, and, and Todd, when we talk, we talk about the fight game and all that, it does have some negative consequences down the line. I know you haven't been... Um, you know, shy to share your story, but it, yeah, you got to a point where you had to self-medicate, and you know that culture. I grew up in the culture of drinking. National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Every after every practice, we were out drinking. Every game, we'd go out and drink. That was a way to unwind and and cool down. And I didn't recognize it till my career was over. When did it become an issue with you, and and how did you address it? If you don't well, mind I think, me asking. Yeah, no, I'm I'm open about um, like um, uh, 
mental health issues and stuff. I think it's um, if you have a platform like a professional athlete, former professional athlete, but you know you should. It's it's a it's a thing to smash the stigma and and you know it's okay right like uh, you can ask for help and whatnot but um, I like to tell a little bit of my uh, story but it was just it didn't really start from hockey I think hockey added to it uh, some of the pressures and things like that kind of helped the progression but um, I mean it was when I first started uh, you know I guess you'd call it you know introduction to alcohol you're in your teenage years but. Um, some of the lifestyle of, of, of fighting at that young age and being alone and, you know, it, it all adds to it, man. And I think I was just alone a lot as a young kid. And um, the guys you look up to or the, that are your father figures or the, or the GM and the coaches and stuff. So you're, you're lacking true uh, guidance. And, yeah, I mean, my parents were good and great. But, uh, again, like I, I was reckless and I made some reckless choices and it got out of control by the time I was, uh, you know, starting to be a professional right so it's you know by the time I was in my 20s I that's when it was the worst for me and I had no clue right like I was approached by somebody in the game actually and then um, I was able to straighten out so you know I went away for for treatment and and uh, figured out what was going on and I got a lot of answers that I needed to uh, that I was always asking myself so um yeah, and it's 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 an amazing journey because you don't know what's going on. You know, you think nothing's going wrong, um, and, but you you kind of do. Like in the back of your head, you know, I do feel a little different. I do feel a little off. I don't quit. I don't. Why am I in the heart of a team here? But I don't quite feel like I'm part of the team, right? Outside looking in type of stuff. So, um, you know, and I, and I turned to 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 substances to to manage that and uh, I guess deal with it and it just it uh, progressed into something where that's all I was doing and uh, my my career and everything that I had you know wanted to do in the hockey and my life it was my life it was uh, going down the drain so you know thank god I was with um, some people were put in my life that uh, uh, got me the right kind of help and I needed professional help right I needed to go away to a, a, a treatment facility and really wrap my head around what was going on and how much danger I was in from some of the things that I was putting in my body and this is all at 20 years old so um but the beauty of straighten one's life out is you, you know that second chance if you have uh you know the chance to go after it again you go after it with everything and I did that um and and ended up playing in the NHL that year so um I think it's directly related to that. I know it is directly related to, to straightening things out, getting sober and, and, and living that way. And um, But it wasn't always easy and it didn't always stay that way. You know, this thing, um, you know, the, the, the disease or, or, or whatever you want to call it, the, the mental the health disease? issues. And, and there's different concepts of, of uh, addiction and substance use disorder and um I just like to party, man. Like again, at the end of the day, I just didn't understand why nobody else did, mm. you know, and I, I was alone. So um, what I had found was something that worked for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's something I deal with on a daily basis moving forward. But going through the journey and having a lot of people around me uh, and then hockey was it was right there with me, too. Like um, you don't necessarily you always hear about the, the horror stories of of you know, players or, or athletes that, uh, you know, the fall from grace, but you never you don't hear about the comebacks as much as you should. Did so, you play most of your um, career sober? Well, the thing was, yeah, the, the start of my career, I, like that's my whole reputation was built on, on, on not only that, but it was, why wouldn't you want that in your locker room? And like, I exuded it. I, I loved it. I loved being, uh, I love being sober. I love being, um, you know, it, it, I felt unique. <laughs> especially mm -hmm. in the locker room because it's a it's a bunch of guys and the guys like you gotta understand the guys were very very inviting uh of that and they um they they always looked out for me they understood when it was time for me to go it was time for me to go because the bonding and stuff that these guys do you're around it all the time so um they were respectful and i like i really appreciate my teammates and i was a rookie at this time so it's just that's insane they were, uh, they were special man yeah they were special so um i i i i i tip my hat to those guys and how how they they managed a 20 year old kid that was 
just coming off a hell of a run and playing in the NHL and being a fighter too at that time. No. So I tip the hats to the veterans. God bless that. you. And I say that because when I look at back at my career, boy, the drinking was such a big part, but it helped me after games deal with that, you know, when your hands are killing you and you're like, whew, you kind of had enough. And boy, it, I self-medicated. It helped me big time. So when I look at... Yeah what you have done as a player but getting sober like I, I i cannot picture myself being a sober man playing hockey i just can't and i wasn't and that i, I guess when i look at it i just find it incredible that you were able to pull that off well, and, and, well, and, and my ears, change your life Real quick, I my question i i i heard your story and i may correct me if i'm wrong and i apologize if i'm wrong yeah. but like did you end up having a like uh, setback throughout your career where you went back to have, yeah so, so i didn't know i just want to make sure like when, right yeah. when i went to, no right when i went to to anaheim like that's when it really started and it's it honestly started with pills i got i got it was um i got hit by jeff i think it was jeff fisher in ottawa I, I gashed my eyes bad and this was when I, I was just before the summer of getting traded and I took Percocets for that injury, and that's something that's, you know, that, that woke up something that I wasn't ready to have <laughs> awoke, and it didn't happen right away, you know. It didn't happen right away, but over time, I just I just made some choices that were just absolutely insane, and um, for, like, probably six years after that, it was like I was seeking help on my own and then, you know, having bouts of, of uh, time with, you know, no booze, no drugs and stuff like that. And then, you know, but then falling off the wagon and uh, I, it progressed, you know, and it progressed to the end in Tampa. And, um, you know, thank God I've, uh, I was uh, kind of given a second, another second chance. Like, but the, the thing was this time around, it was like a humbling experience that I'm even still alive. And, uh, you know, that the family wasn't as damaged as it was, I guess, but, you know, I do I, I do things today to, to try and make up for that. And um, it's not like I have to. It's just it's the right thing to do, you know. Uh, well, um, and that I went back to uh, what had got me, you know, help the first time. You know, I, I called a couple of guys from the league and uh, they got me into uh, into the treatment program. And, and, and again, got picked myself up uh, and went after it again. Well, the so. seed was planted, obviously, young and, and God bless you for for things and the way things are today I guess all you've been through but and you mentioned family like we often don't talk about this but I, I think back when I played I didn't think about what my wife thought or my kids or you know I just did my job and I was out self-medicating all the time how, how difficult you know for your wife to go and you have what three children right how difficult yeah, was that three, for yeah. your wife well, that's the thing that uh, a lot of people don't see how much uh, the families of the player they they sacrifice for us, right? Like it's a very selfish role, uh, the 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 athlete in any sport, I think, because I mean, you eat, sleep, and and everything is fueled around the athlete and their their responsibility, and the families just kind of get drug around everywhere. And and for me, that's 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 what happened a lot like with uh, my family moving around a lot and they just couldn't get settled so you, you don't ever hear about that stuff and it's not necessarily the glorious side of being a professional athlete the families take a beating and they move around a lot and to have this added to that and and and, and still have um you know a, a, a woman that's as strong as uh, as my wife is to, to stick and stay because you know the kids at those times they, they, they don't have their fathers either when you're playing they, there's a lot of commitment and time that you're on the road so when the kids are young they need their papa and they need their you know they need the family people around but uh, you don't get that luxury as as a as a young hockey player if uh, if you've got young kids and stuff they kind of um they kind of have to go through that too and you know some some guys like it you know the kids like it they get to go to the games and stuff but um you know, I just think that it's it can weigh a lot. You know, if you, if you got to move around, so it's a, I tip my hat to to all, all the wives of of guys like myself, but even just uh, the athletes' uh, lifestyle. It's uh, 
you got to move a lot, you know, no matter what, you're going to get traded. Uh, it's very rare that you get to spend your whole career with one team, but, um, yeah, you, you never hear about, uh, about, uh, that, uh, and you know, that what? End it's, of it. it's been 12 years now and you know, it's, it's Rocky, but, uh, she's, she's still, she's still one of the greatest mothers and, and one of the greatest wives. Like she is the greatest wife for me, man. I just, I want to, start messing up and talking about her she'll get mad at me so you have to edit this out <laughs> wait your wife gets mad you know, too your wife gets mad too she's just like i've heard it i've lived it i don't need to hear it you know what i mean she's uh she um she's never satisfied and that's good because i gotta you know we gotta continue to become better versions of ourselves, regardless of the the past we have it's just a better way to live and um she lives that way you know like she's uh uh, she eats right. She does everything uh, right, and it's almost annoying, you know. And it's but, rubbing uh, off on you. Yeah, it's rubbing right. off on me. I don't mind it, right? She's got good standards, so I got to live up to them. No, that's yeah, awesome. It's a, it's a it, it, you can hear how um, you can hear the honesty in that and what that means to you. And I think you know, I I had some you know personal issues myself, but I think that's the biggest difference. Um, taking care of myself is like what I care about. Like the fact what you're saying about your wife is like my me and my wife same kind of. She was ride or die, and she's still with me, and we're probably the best we've ever been. But it's because I, you know, the things that matter matter today, right? Like I'm kind of working continuously on trying to get out of my own way. But um, I appreciate you sharing, uh, you know, what that means to you. Cause that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's I'm grateful to, to to be able to do a lot of the catching up, you know, from from the time in the career and things that I've done. So it's. It's good to be present today. So, Fridge, how about the transition? The game's over. Boom. I struggled with it. I had a difficult time. Um, how about yourself? Yeah. Now you're working, actually, you're working in mental health. Uh, you work with New Life Medical and Addiction Services. And, and yeah. how, how's that been for you, like, your second career? Well, it's it's been you have to kind of leave the nest. Like I was in Philly, there's a lot of opportunity on the East coast. Um, but in this area, there's a lot of players that stick and stay in the region. Um, my wife's from this region too. She'd obviously love to live in Arizona. Don't get me wrong, but, um, there's opportunities here and, and the flyers kind of gave me a shot to, uh, um, get into the business side of it, you know? Um, so I, I kind of followed myself around, but then you'll only go so far. And I, I wanted to, to see what I could, you know, see what I could do in business and stuff. And, uh, you leave the nest, but, uh, I learned from the, from hockey, the, the network is potent. Like it's what we can do with each other. Like what we're doing now, there's guys that are doing successful things that are, uh, you know, they, I, it's never been a, a guy that I call in the NHL that played, I couldn't uh, rely on for an introduction to somebody. So, you know, I did some stuff in oil and gas and then uh, just moved around in business and then got into to new life because obviously, you know, being a guy that lives in recovery and, and uh, does that, I, it wasn't something I sought out to do. It just kind of happened through COVID and, and the opportunity presented itself. And I was I was looking to get involved at the NHL and do some things uh, just from like, um, I guess like a regional perspective, yeah. you know, be a, be a kind of a, a peer coach or something like that for uh, players in recovery or dealing with mental health and stuff like that. It's a good resource to have, but uh, it kind of morphed into uh, meeting uh, Dr. Joseph Savon and, and Joel Albano, the founders of new life. Um, and they were helping people like me. So I kind of fell in love with the guys and, uh, and their mission and, and, uh, what they really want to do, you know, they, they use medically assisted treatment for the opioid uh, crisis right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good because it's all about accessibility, right? They want to make outpatient uh, mental health and substance use disorder accessible to everybody. So um, uh, we kind of have a model that works and fits and we're having some success and uh, people are getting better and families are getting happier and uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I would have never imagined it was as rewarding as a job, but uh, it's hard work and takes a lot of time. And um, but I, I enjoy doing it. So and there's a great team there, like the the clinicians and uh, Ryan McGuckin's got the team going on, and that's that's the key. Good These stuff. guys, the, the therapists, do a really good How job. How long you been they're retired? They're the ones that do it. What I think it's twelve years. So uh, 2011, like you, 2010. So you're, I mean. 
what were those first few years like the transition? Because speaking of the tra like, that's important for me because I feel like I'm still transitioning. Like, I, I'm it takes like five years. Yeah, like I'm like I you know clearly I just flew to Pittsburgh to talk to you on this shitty podcast on a computer. <laughs> so clearly I'm just trying. My life is I'm um, just whatever. Hey, hey, no, I'm just kidding. Hey. But no, seriously though, I. I it's like almost. It takes risk. No, and it's like, like it's almost like with the, you, have, yeah. you have to come to the mindset of like hockey. It doesn't have to define like define you. Like I, I'm grateful for the career, and I, there's a lot of tools, and I want to give back. And like you said, talking to teammates or just old teammates is like the best conversations. But it's really just yeah. like I don't have to be just this hockey player, and that, that's I'm slowly kind of getting through that still. It's like sometimes yeah. I feel like this is all I have. I I only played hockey, but. I mean, it's, that's, that's kind of like what you got to do is just kind of release that identity almost. It's like, doesn't define you. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of. No, that's exactly. I mean, that's all you've ever done. That's all we've ever done. It's we were told what to do our whole lives and then it stops. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you got to kind of, you got to fend for yourself kind of and flounder for a bit, but then eventually you just get fed up and you're like, man, if I could do this and, and don't get me wrong, there is veterans still. There's veterans guy, Timmy Kerr, Don Slusky. These guys are in this area and they're like, look, man, you could be successful putting the amount of work in and applying yourself the way that you did to be successful in the NHL. You can apply that to anything in life and be 10 times successful as the average Joe. Like, so it's just about transferring, you know, that the work ethic and, you know, all that into something you want to do. Now, you'll never find something as passionate as what you did playing hockey, but... You can't ask for that twice in life, man. Like, we got paid yeah. some good money to play that game, you know, and it was fun the whole time. Like, um, it was a special time in my life. But, you know, you, you can get involved and do stuff, but you got to take some risk. You know, that's the thing. You got to take some risk if you want a little bit of reward, and you got to be willing to work. And it's it's tough. Don't no, and it's cause crazy because like we've all come too. from like what people don't sometimes realize too. Not that they should, but like we failed a lot. Right, like in our hockey yeah. career. And then like now I'm it's like I'm afraid to like try anything because I don't want to fail. But you know, but the yeah. truth is is like you said I'm just glad you said five years because I'm on like four. If you would have said like two, <laughs> I would have just left. But I appreciate you saying five. <laughs> no, it takes time, man. Yeah. And you gotta find out what you wanna do, you know? Yeah. Uh, fridge. The, the, the NHL, right? We we always under scrutiny, right? The concussion issues, fighting, drugs, whatever, drinking over the years. I found that when I was at my lowest, the NHL was there for me in such a big way. And I don't think, you know, that gets exposed as much. And not that it should, but they've really, when I was down and out in Beverly Hills, they step up to the plate and really helped me in a big way. 100%. That's the, and that's what, you know, part of this is like, there's a choice that each of us has to make. And, um, yeah, I, I like to call some of those guys, the thread, you know, they're, 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 they're constant, but they're, that's some, a lot of people call, you know, you'd be surprised, but having the resources and then doing the things that they say, they don't, they're not there to hurt you. And I knew that right away. It was just, they know what it's like and they help you get what you need. And thank God it's, it's a resource that, that uh, runs the way it does. And not every case turns out, um, you know, with, with a, a great comeback, you know, sometimes people die, but that's not necessarily the nature of the, the help they're getting. It's, it's, it's the nature of, you know, this affliction, right? Yeah. Opioids and, and, and addiction and use, Use disorder kill thousands, millions of people every year, and it's it's getting worse. So people really have to understand this, smash the stigma, reach out for help. Like that's honestly the only thing you can really do. But you, you, yeah, you no, talk the, about, the league was there. You, you talked for about me passion, doing something passionate as hockey. But like, you know, I think I know the answer to this. But obviously, it's amazing what you're doing today. But like, you talk about like the what you got from a fight or from a goal. I mean, just to be available to help somebody, like. That's got to be, I mean, what's that feel like for you? Is that more self-fulfilling well, yeah, than yeah. probably any of it, right? Yeah, I never signed up for that. Right? <laughs> like, I didn't sign up for no, that. No, 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 was, I, I get that. Yeah. I, I know you're not yeah, doing no, that, I, but you know what I mean. Just to be available. No, right? like, I know. I like, 
And I'm saying it because I, I didn't, I like, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know how rewarding it would actually be. Like, um, it, it, it's different because this is, there's a medical procedure that needs to happen for a lot of these people. And, and that's early stage. And then the medicines that we use, we taper. So we get them to sober and it, it, it could be the first time in years that these people are starting to feel again. And that it's to see them smile and to see them actually genuinely smile and be like, Oh my God, Oh my goodness! Yeah. I forgot what smiling actually did. Well, being it's happy. happy, yeah, it's yeah, man. We forget about that. So, on 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 the surface, like if you know me, I'm like an ultra happy guy. Like it just if you're around me, you're buzzing because I'm. He doesn't I, come across like that. I get like to that, do huh? this no. stuff, and no, you don't come across <laughs> as happy. Like kind right? of quiet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but I, I just no, I like I like. Um, I like talking to people when they're, when they're coming alive again, and um, like I, w I was one of them too at one mile, at one time in my life. So um, to do it um, and and kind of start them on on this journey or send them off to, you know, what whatever form of long term recovery it is, it's 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 a very rewarding thing. But you know, you got to be responsible, man. Like <laughs> I do some things just out of. Yeah, you're Passion. not perfect. Not necessarily smart, you know? And, and the like, thing is, I'm is coming like, to get you, right? No, and the no, thing no, is, is though, like, <laughs> you're not doing it. People can, like, on the outside looking in, could, like, look at it like, oh, he's trying to, like, save the world. And it's like, no, you're not. You're just nah. trying to do what was given to you. And that's, like, the only way to do it is with, like, another human being. Like, you can't do this alone, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's providing it's, a place to go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Someone's got to run these places, man. You know, someone's got to do stuff uh, to, to provide the place to go to get these things started. Well, God bless you for the work you do at Fridge. Awesome. You're a good man. I appreciate you taking the time today. Before I let you go, though, I have uh, a couple quickies. Uh, this is before he lets you go. Before I let you go, yeah. I got a question, too. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any regrets? Um, well, you, you can't because I've learned that every little thing along that journey is part of what I am now. So to say I had regrets of the things that I had done, I, I can't regret them, right? Yeah. But if I would have done them another way, I don't know. No, because where I am today is because of all those, uh, a lot of those things. And yeah, you can't forget about the present. Gotta take the good with the bad. Right? Yeah, the you gotta so take like, the good with the bad. If you're, yeah. if you're meaning like, like if you truly mean that, like living in the present, like you, you kind of look at everything happened for you, not to you. Right? Like it's like, you can't look back and be like, hey, I wish this changed. You're like probably the best version of yourself right now. Right? Yeah, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I got a question oh, no. from this. Or one, we have one crazy fan. Um, <laughs> he's our producer. We always got that crazy fan question. Well, yeah. He said, uh, you have two guinea pigs named Joe Kosher and Bob Probert. Why? This is a question. <laughs> I gave him that name. Their real names are actually um, uh, Max and, oh my God. I can't Knuckles and Tim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Max and Gus, um, but no, I give them the nicknames Joey Kosher and Bob Prover because I love those guys and I was playing, and they fight. They they I had to separate them. Like you see, you can see the see the cage in the between. Oh yeah, I had to put that in there. I built that during COVID for my my girls and my wife loves them too. She's she loves animals. My wife and they got masks on. But <laughs> no, but. When it was, Do you ever it was think COVID and I dog? was building that. It oh, was you like have a dog. Helpful. We got, I got two French bulldogs, yeah. They go crazy when they come in here. These things stink, though. Do you, have, do you ever look at people and they look like their dog? Do you ever? No. It's unbelievable. No. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah like people no, look yes. like their dogs, right? Like, yes. Honestly? Yeah. yeah. Jamie. <laughs> some, some guys, yeah. I have the St. Bernard, yeah, right? Asian and dog. No, <laughs> my eyes go down like the scar tissue over them. And yeah. She says I look like the same banana. I don't yeah, know. I hope I don't look like my Frenchies, man. My Frenchies have got a smashed in face. <laughs> I might look like them. Right. Yeah. My face is smashed in. <laughs> no. Bridge, I uh, personally, I obviously appreciate your time, but I, I'm 
blessed, and I mean this, that, that I've been uh, able to cross paths with you, man. Like, it's awesome to, to be able to just hear your story and, and hear the person you become, and it's inspiring, so I thank you. Oh man, that's a, 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 lucky I met you too, bud. It, it's all it's all because of COVID too. Like it's cool because a lot of us got together. It was neat. Old guys, new guys, yeah. Oh yeah, fridge. Okay, we got one more here. Yeah, this is the crazy one fan again. Crazy fan. We've been trying to cancel this yeah. part of our show, but yeah, <laughs> crazy fan pot. What would be the first line of your hockey eulogy? Oh, jeez. This is the crazy fan. Yeah. <laughs> what would be the f first line of yeah, hockey, hockey eulogy? You. <laughs> How the fuck did we end up here? <laughs> that's, I think that's what it would be. How the fuck did I end up here? Yep. Well, it well, all... I, I honestly, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> well, it all started back in Redwater. Alberta, yeah. and now you're in Philly, and you're sitting here with Whitey and Knuckles. How's that for a pair? And, and again, we oh, appreciate your time today. You've been awesome. Uh, love you, pal. Awesome. <laughs>